Chapter 11, Cosmic Driftwood The gold ring bounces on its chain around my neck as I work through the punches. Jab, 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 right-left cross, jab, left hook, and swing 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 goes the punching bag. Unity nods approvingly from its seat on the folded-up training mats in the corner, a hulking, bald blue man with rounded shoulders the size of my head. I nod back, switch stance, and start the routine over. It was completely my decision to train like this. Unity seemed surprised at my request, but they've been helping me every step of the way, giving me equipment to train with and tips on my technique. Funny, I was never an exercise junkie back home, more of a couch potato who thought walking around the outdoor outlet mall all day was a major effort. Then again, I didn't have the chance to lift weights in a heavy gravity chamber or run on a treadmill while submerged in a pool up to my neck. Unity's workouts are grueling, yet honestly fun. Besides, if I'm gonna find Morty, I have no clue who's got him. I'm not about to run back to Earth and join an MMA club or anything, but I feel like I could kick someone's ass empty-handed if they were roughly my size. Anything bigger than me and, I dunno, maybe I could use a weapon for advantage. I know how to make a mean wooden stake. My ponytail is drenched with sweat and flapping wetly against my neck. I pause and swipe the back of my hand against my forehead, reaching down for my sports drink bottle. Unity glances up from the tablet they've been playing on. Very nice, Summer. Your footwork is improving, they grunt, although your punching patterns are still a little too predictable. Need to change it up a bit. Those are the patterns you taught me. True. Unity peers back down at their tablet and scrolls through the screen. I walk over and plop down next to them, a sports bottle in my still-gloved hand. Looks like they're making considerable progress in the search for your brother down in the lab. I think the dimensional scan is nearly complete. Wait, hang on. Wouldn't you already know that since you're, you know, the same mind? Pardon me? Like, what's the point of one of you texting another person something if you both share the same knowledge of that thing? You both know it at the exact moment you discover it because you've got the same consciousness, so why do you need to do it? If you can still call it blushing when someone with blue skin turns even darker blue on their cheeks, that's what Unity did. Um, well, why do you need to have a blog, they blurt. You've been reading my blog? Not so much reading as getting down a few lines and having my eyes glaze over. Summer, I mean no offense, but your blog has as much brain fodder as quotes reality TV, which is to say not very much at all. Sorry it doesn't read like a manuscript of NPR, I say flatly. Unity blinks at me oulishly. I'll assume you made some kind of joke that only makes sense in Earth's cultural context and offer you a sympathetic chuckle. Polite laughter ripples through the whole mansion in waves, and damn, does that creep me out? Besides, I hope you realize your paid blog was just a means for the Galactic Federation to keep tabs on you and your family. Well, I do now. Your lack of expression articulates volumes. Unity rises from the mats and tucks the tablet under their arm. 
The Federation confiscated the cellular device you had at the time they captured you, according to the paperwork they sent me. You weren't writing any new posts and saving them on the device after you embarked on your trip with Morty, were you? No. I'm not that stupid. Good. That means the Federation, should they feel the need to drag you in again for questioning, would be doing so under false pretenses. They can't hold you twice under the same suspicion. Unity smiles down at me. Go clean up and meet me down in the lab as soon as you're done. We need to plan your departure. No one needs to tell me twice to get clean. I gladly jog toward the showers and spend a healthy amount of time scrubbing every bit of grime and sweat off my body. While I shampoo and lather my hair with one hand, I toy with the ring on its chain with the other hand, rubbing my thumb over the inscription. Me mayor to Zorro, me mayor to Zorro. It sounds like a spell when I chant it under my breath, even though I know it's nothing more mystical than Spanish. Does Grandpa Rick know Spanish? His last name is Sanchez, and so is Mom's, but I've never heard him ever speak anything other than English. Did he and his wife speak Spanish to each other like some secret love language, and he was so devastated by their breakup that he vowed never to utter another word in Spanish again? Oh. I know Grandpa was the one that left his wife, but that would be so romantic. Maybe when I find Morty, he'll be able to tell me what it says. I know for sure he takes Spanish, that's the one great dad never complains about when he sees Morty's progress reports. But that requires my finding him first. I tell myself off, tug on the clothes unity left for me, yellow tank top and gray crop pants, seriously cute, and make my way upstairs. The lab is packed with at least 60 other people once I push through the entryway. Some are clustered around what look like the chemistry stations we have back at school, flicking at vibrantly colored test tubes. Others are running around in grubby blue mechanics jumpsuits, wiping their hands on oily rags and sipping on sodas from vending machines, wrenches and other gadgets bulging out of their pockets. Still others are lined up at banks of computers like NASA Mission Control peering at flickering screens that'd look more at home back in the 1980s and chattering on headsets. And to think, all of these people are sharing the same mind. It gives me a headache just thinking about it. I rub at my temple just as power suit unity comes trotting up to me. Oh, Summer, you're here. Good. I just want to run through the details of your journey as I have it planned out so far. She whistles down a row of computers. Excuse me, Dimitri? Could you pull up the search results we have for Morty Smith? A nerdy-looking guy with dreadlocks nods curtly and projects an image of some section of the universe onto the big screen in front of everyone. The image is littered with tiny pinpricks of stars and swirling galaxies, but there's a bright green crosshair off to the left that grabs my attention. We did a biometric scan for any individual sharing at least 50% of your DNA within our entire range, which I must say is pretty wide, Unity says. Our scanners miss, what, 10% of the potential scanning range due to EM interference? Closer to 12.5%, Dimitri answers. Right, 12.5%. 
In any case, we found the closest genetic match possible in the areas we could look at. Morty is located at those coordinates we have marked on the image you see, give or take about 10 light minutes. Uh, I say, kinda overwhelmed by this load of information. Is that a big margin? It's about the distance from Earth to the planet you call Mars at a particular point in their respective orbits. Unity turns to me with a smile. Don't fret, it's really not that far. Unity, no human has ever made it to Mars from Earth. Not yet, anyway. That's because you humans lack the cooperation necessary to develop the technology that would lead you to such a great voyage, Dimitri Sasses. Now, if you had a hive mind controlling you. That's enough, Dimitri, Unity snaps. Dimitri immediately shuts up and spins in his chair toward the nearest computer screen as if yanked along on puppet strings, and I'm reminded to never, ever piss off Unity or any other hive mind if I can help it. Terribly sorry about that, Unity continues. Like any consciousness, I have dark, irksome little voices that like to pop up every once in a while and run counter to the rest of me. I think Rick called it something like the devil on your shoulder. Those voices just need to be addressed and dismissed every so often. You mean like intrusive thoughts that happen when you're meditating? I ask. Precisely. Now, where was I? Oh yes, Morty, he's located in those crosshairs, 10 light minute differential. I built you a ship that's preset to those coordinates, so all you need to do is worry about writing and enjoying the view. Whoa! You built me my own ship? M.M. Hmm. You wanna go see it? Unity is practically jumping out of her high heels with excitement. Come on, let's go. She grabs my hand and drags me toward the double doors where all the mechanics are hanging out. They part out of the way for us, and then I think about how it's Unity making way for herself to walk through, herself, and the headache comes throbbing back again. I do my best to stop thinking about that. Turns out to be pretty easy, because my jaw practically hits the floor when I see the ship. It's nothing short of gorgeous. The entire outside is painted a deep blue, bordering on black, with tiny metallic sparkles winking from every angle. Purple stripes, three of them, race down from the slim nose of the ship to the tail, and the back fins and wingtips are the same color. The windshield is lightly tinted gray and pristine. I almost don't want to step inside for fear that it's even better, and I don't want to cry and have Unity start freaking out that I'm leaking saline or something. Why you like it, don't you? Unity stands next to me, wringing her hands and searching my face for a reaction. I've worked very hard to make it not only efficient for your trip, but also comfortable for why. I cut Unity off with a tight hug. It takes a while for her to get her bearings, but she gets the idea after a few seconds and wraps her arms around me, too. I swear I hear a collective sigh of relief shake through not only the mansion, but the planet as a whole. I, Unity, this is beyond words. I'm serious, this is amazing, I whisper. Not just the ship and finding Morty for me, although that's an important part of it. 
I mean the keeping me here as a guest and not some kind of nasty prisoner like I'm sure the Federation wanted you to do. I pulled back from the hug and put my hands on her padded shoulders. You're gonna get in trouble for doing all this. That's not even a question at this point. Unity simply shrugs. Let them come for me. On a scale of beings that are easy to assimilate, Gromplomites would be down around the easiest. They don't have enough brain power to rebel for terribly long, and it'd be an entry point to the rest of the Galactic Federation. From there, the universe is my oyster, as Rick would say. She glances down at a series of watches strapped to her pale blue wrist. Ooh, we need to get you on board ASAP. Our calculated trajectory will only be accurate for two more minutes before we'll need to recalibrate. There's a spacesuit that should fit you appropriately on board, so go, go, who'd go. I take Unity at her word and scramble up the ladder that leads into the ship. Sure enough, there's a bodysuit made of silky gray material draped over the lone seat in the cockpit with silver cuffs at the wrists and ankles. I make sure the door is shut behind me before I change, toss my old clothes in the corner, and settle down in the seat. T-1 minute to launch. Mission control to Desperado, all systems functional? I stare around the massive dashboard and see no blinking lights or anything majorly concerning. Um, no, mission control, everything looks fine. Did you just call me Desperado? Oh yeah. Forgot to tell you that's the name of your ship, Power Suit Unity says through the PA, I hope you don't mind that I named it for you. No, no, that's cool. Better than what I would have picked. T-30 seconds to launch. Anything else I can get you? Nothing else I can think of. I drum my fingers on the arm of the seat anxiously. It's finally hitting me that I'll be seeing Morty, like, really soon. There's no telling what condition he'll be in once I find him, or what kind of trouble he might have gotten himself into. I'd like to think that all his adventures with Rick might have taught him at least a few intergalactic survival strategies. T-10 seconds to launch. 9, 8, 7, 6. The massive hangar doors in front of me swing wide open. I stretch all the safety harnesses I can find over my body and click them into place. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Go, we have go. A blinding white light swallows me and the entire ship. My eyes squeeze shut, and when I open them again, I'm floating out in the inky blackness of space among the stars. Whoa. I say. Hey, wait a minute. Desperado to Mission Control, you mind telling me what the hell that was? Mission Control to Desperado, that was the initial hyperdrive launch boosted by a proprietary blend of intergalactic substances which I can only describe as kaboom fuel. Basically, it was a hyper-hyperdrive launch. Power suit unity giggles, and for the first time in ages I only hear and feel one voice giggling. In any case, you're about a quarter of your way to your destination, so you're welcome. Wow. Thanks, on oh my god. I scream. 
Right the fuck out of nowhere, a giant mess of tentacles has seized the bow of the ship and latched right on. Mission control to Desperado, do you have a problem? Does it sound like I have a problem? A ferocious-looking beak is pecking the hell out of the windshield and growling like a large and extremely pissed-off grizzly bear. I've peed my pants, but at least I'm strapped into relative safety. Yeah, sure, I have a bit of a problem. More like a catastrophe, but whatever. Mission control to Desperado, what seems to be the problem? I don't know what possesses me to do it, but I start flailing my arms at the windshield. Blasts of red plasma start flying out from my wrists toward the windshield and seem to bleed out of the glass? What the actual hell is going on? I hear a sound like scraping claws against the sides of the ship, plus a flapping noise somewhere above my head like a huge umbrella opening and closing. Some leftover red plasma slips into the beak, which snaps shut and slowly pulls back along with so many popping tentacles. It's not until I see a giant scarlet eye the size of a beach ball glaring at me that I get what has been attacking me. Cthulhu, I whisper. Mission control to Desperado, can you KKRK, repeat? Comlink has KKRK, damaged. Unity, I just got attacked by Cthulhu. You were attacked by KKRK, great old ones? Are you serious? Well, I should think I'd know what the hell Cthulhu looks like, considering I had to steal its baby once. You want to run KKRK, by me again? I rubbed my temple for the third time today, exhausted. That damn giant scarlet eye is still staring at me through the windshield. Grandpa Rick wanted to see if we could steal a god's baby. I don't think he even wanted it for experimentation or anything, just to do it for kicks. And we ended up on this horrifyingly long chase for our lives through space, Grandpa Rick, Morty, and I, and of course they made me hold the baby. We did make it home in one piece, thank God, but I think the baby escaped or Grandpa Rick took it back in the middle of the night or something, because I never saw it again. You hear that? I yell toward the windshield. I don't have your baby anymore, so leave me alone. A major grunt shakes the entire ship. I have no idea if Cthulhu understood English, but maybe it understood my rage and annoyance combined with flinging red plasma. It pulled away from the ship and flapped off into the distance, leaving me drifting alone through space. Mission KKRK to Desperado, do you copy? I sigh. Desperado to Mission Control. I copy. All systems appear functional, I just peed myself. The environmental system on board detected that almost as soon as you did it, Unity says, and I flush pink. So I know. Always wanted to KKRK, old ones. They are my ancestors, you know? All hive minds can claim to be descended from the great old ones like Cthulhu. I KKRK, to be like one someday. Maybe you will, I murmured half to myself. That would, KKRK, dream. Summer, I fear the comlink has sustained too much damage, 
so the ship AI will take over supervision and piloting from here. But before I go, I want to let you know two things. I raise an eyebrow. Like? In the eventuality that I make it to Earth and begin assimilation, you have my eternal vow that I will preserve your individuality. You will not become part of me, but rather remain yourself. Whoa! That was huge, the only other person I know of that Unity didn't take was Grandpa Rick. Th thank you, Unity. W what was the second thing? Simply this, take care of yourself, Summer. And with that, the line clicks over to nothingness. I sit strapped to my seat, dumbfounded for a moment or two. Eventually I reach over and turn down the speaker volume so the static is muted, and I speak to the ceiling. Ship? How close are we to our destination? Recalibrating coordinates, approximate distance is 150 light-years from our current position, a cool female voice that sounds so achingly not like Unity tells me. Is that long enough for a nap? Based on my rudimentary knowledge of the human body, I calculate that the voyage is equal to about 40 human naps. I could use about 30 of them now. I kind of feel like crying, kind of feel like eating something, but mostly just feel wrung out. I curl up as best I can in my restraints and lie on my side. Hey, ship? One more thing. Yes, Summer? You don't happen to have an attitude problem, do you? I do not know about this attitude of which you speak. Good, I say, closing my eyes, cause I do not want to deal with that again. Chapter 12, Breakfast on Blood Ridge Leona shakes me awake from where I drifted off in the co-pilot's seat after dinner. I wonder how her hands, flexing with veins and muscles like they are, manage to stay so warm and soft. All it takes is a gentle touch on my shoulder to know who it is. Despierta, Morty, she says. Esora del Diceuno. QK? I stutter. Time to get up. C, C, yo te intendi. Dios mio, I yawn as I stretch my arms way above my head. I take a whiff of my armpit and gag at the smell. I really need a shower, but changing clothes and rubbing on deodorant is gonna have to be enough. We only have a limited water supply that the ship recycles from our waste, and I dunno, I still kinda gag at the thought of showering with what used to be my own pee. Oh, we're getting Descarado now, are we? Perhaps my Spanish lessons are working too well. Leona gazes out of the windshield before getting up out of her chair and walking toward the back of the ship. You're getting much better, Morty. Correct verb tenses and everything. Th thanks. I've been having dreams when I'm asleep of speaking in perfect Spanish, even though my tongue gets twisted up from time to time when I'm awake. It's nice to hear the encouragement, even if it's from a woman who's looking shadier to me every day. Behind the kind smiles and occasional sharp jokes is someone who keeps a lot hidden away just under the surface. At first I told myself off, thinking what right do you have to demand anything? From her? You're just a kid. 
But then I thought about all the stuff Leona knows about me, how much she's managed to worm out of me without revealing much of herself. It's reminding me of Rick all over again, just when I started to think the two of them were different. And they were married. Not dating, not just seeing each other to screw on the weekends or anything, but married like committed to one another. I mean, I've been on adventures where Rick flirts with every vaguely attractive creature he sees, well, maybe they're attractive to him, I don't really see it, so it's so bizarre to imagine him, I don't know, settling down with someone. He puts mom and dad down all the time for their failing marriage and how they should get a divorce if they can't work their shit out. And wasn't he the one that told me marriage is a joke anyway? What people call love is just a chemical reaction that compels animals to breed. It hits hard, Morty, then it slowly fades, leaving you stranded in a failing marriage. I did it. Your parents are going to do it. Break the cycle, Morty. It shouldn't surprise me that Rick is a big liar, really, yet it feels like a gut punch. Everything I ever knew about his past, which admittedly wasn't that much, has been flipped on its head, leaving me with nothing more than a new set of questions. Why did his marriage to Leona fail? Did they really fall out of love with each other? Because it doesn't make sense for Leona to keep all this shit in her locker if she, I don't know, didn't have some kind of feelings left over for him. Mom said Rick was the one that left, why? Perhaps the biggest question of all is this one, is Leona my grandma? It's entirely possible that Rick could have married Leona and knocked someone else up with my mom but that doesn't strike me as right. Still, it doesn't make sense for mom to complain about her mom being boring and unremarkable if Leona actually is her mom. Because honestly, Leona is a badass. How could anyone possibly call an intergalactic bounty hunter unremarkable? And now that I think about it, she's totally the kind of person Arik would marry if he made the choice. There's too many questions and H hypotheticals floating around in my head, and I'm afraid I'm gonna explode if I don't completely wake up and keep my tongue under control. The marriage photo still burns in my back pocket along with my curiosity, but I steer my mind away from that. Instead, I look out the windshield at the giant, leafy green planet we're floating by. H hey, Leona? I ask. What planet is this? M.M.? She comes back to her seat with a cup of steaming hot coffee in her hands. Oh, this is Flap Flap. One of the largest rainforest planets in the charted universe. The humidity there is so intense that only carefully planned manned expeditions or specially designed rovers can tolerate being on the surface for more than five minutes. It's a biologically fascinating place, really. And we're gonna go down there? Dios, no. We'll be touching down on one of its moons, which are far more hospitable. Moon 3, to be specific. She takes a sip of her coffee. I guess they used up all their creativity in naming the planet and didn't bother giving the moons anything more than numbers for names. My stomach suddenly rumbles loudly. Uh, you did say something about breakfast before, right? See, Claro. I thought we'd cook out in the open air for a change of pace. 
How do you feel about eggs? Eggs are one of my favorite things that mom cooks back home. Why yeah, that sounds great. Wonderful. It'll take me some time to set up the camp stove and adjust for the new atmosphere, so feel free to look around while I do that. Moon 3 is a bit of a historical site, I'm given to understand. Cool. I've never particularly liked going to museums or anything, but those were back on Earth where the same history lessons were beaten into our skulls year after year. Maybe this place will be more interesting to poke around in. The ship touches down on the surface with a soft thunk, and I scramble up to help Leona heft her camp stove outside. She tells me to go ahead and explore, but not stray too far since the eggs and schlock's bacon will be ready soon. I grab one of those oxygen backpacks we picked up on Epsilon 6, slip it on, and head out by myself. Moon 3 looks an awful lot like those fuzzy photos of Mars that I've seen in science class. The ground is mostly rusty red dust with rocks of various sizes scattered across the surface. There are small slopes and steep hills that extend out into narrow cliffs. I'm working my way along one of those narrow cliffs, a ridge that overlooks a rocky valley. If I squint, I can make out a giant column of red rock in the distance rising toward the sky, kinda like Devil's Tower I saw on one of our road trips back home. No trees or water or anything familiar out here, it looks like a barren, lonely sort of place, yet pretty. Makes me wish I'd thought to grab a bottle of water, even if it was my recycled pee, before I'd left the ship. I walk until the ship is a faint silver speck on the horizon. There's no wind, so I should be able to follow my footprints back once I need to turn around. I look behind me to check that my path is solid, then look ahead to the ground right in front of me where the ground is covered with deep purple splotches. Wait. Purple? I keep walking along, making notes of where the purple patches are. Some are just tiny speckles that are sprayed out in little groups, others are massive dried puddles with uneven edges where a body must have laid. Every step I take manages to touch one of those splotches. I look up from the ground to see a massive building, well, half of a massive building. It's hard to tell whether it's falling down because of age or because it looks like it was shot to hell by blasters. Burn marks are flung across the outside walls and even up into the spindly white turret atop the building. And the purple splotches continue right up to the gaping doorway and up onto the peeling white walls, where it suddenly turns to navy blue. A memory suddenly rushes to the front of my mind, cradling a gun in my hands, shooting at a gromphlamite while Rick is typing in the portal coordinates to get home. Glenn's bleeding to death. Someone called his wife and children. Panic welling in my chest as I watch Glenn spray dark blue blood everywhere as he's dying. Rick yells at me that they're bureaucrats and he doesn't respect them, a as if that's some J justification that makes what I'm doing okay. Another memory, me standing in front of an alien tiki bar next to Rick, wearing a slick new tuxedo. Rick is staring at me with his head propped up on one fist, clearly annoyed by my telling him this wedding is Bird Person's big day. He groans, sits up, and says Bird Person's big day was at Bloodridge on Blapflap's third moon against the Gromplamites. Bloodridge on Blapflap's third moon. 
Third moon, moon three, flap flap. Red and blue make purple. Blood ridge. This is all blood. I can't help it, I drop to my knees and vomit. The blood must be old, at least older than me, but there's enough of it that it's permanently stained the ground all over here. There must have been hundreds, no, thousands of gromplomites to make that happen. I imagine Birdperson perched high up in the tower, fewer gray feathers than he had when I first met him, screeching and clawing at any bug that came near. Squanchy was hulked out like he was at the wedding, taking out twenty bugs with one swipe of his paw. And in the middle of it all was Rick, skinny arms holding up a massive intergalactic AK-47, insane laughter ricocheting like phaser beams every time he mowed down a swath of enemies. I can see it all play out in my head like I've seen it before on some grainy, fucked-up home video. I wipe the back of my shaking hand over my mouth and stand up, knees knocking. As GG gross or horrifying as it might be, I have to go look inside this building to see what else is there. Not sure what I hope to find, but I don't know what else I'll gain by staying out here. My footsteps echo on the cool cement when I step inside. There's no light save for what filters in from outside through the gaping holes in the walls. Blood is still seeping into the floor, but not nearly as much as what I saw outside. Sagging support beams struggle to hold up the second floor, which has just as many holes in it as the walls. The wooden stairs leading up to the second floor are shot to hell, the railing snapped and burned in several places. Right next to one of a splintered wooden column is a small round object glinting back in the sunlight. Cautiously, I tiptoed over to it. If it was a bomb or alien grenade of some kind, it would have detonated years ago and blown this whole place to bits, right? When nudging it with my foot doesn't set it off, I pick it up and click the tiny button on the side. Shit, is this thing on? Is this on? Purse, you told me this thing would work, I hope you were right or I'm gonna kick your ass even worse than Bug Squadron Theta did. That's right, I saw it happen. There's no denying it, that's Rick talking. A much younger Rick, from the sounds of things, he sounds more drunk on happiness than liquor, and the gravelly edge to his voice isn't as harsh as it is, was now. Okay, this thing is on. Good. Stardate 264-35, Squanchy, I swear to God if you don't get over there and stop purse-bleeding, I will squanch the ever-loving hell out of you. We don't have any squanchin' bandages, you psycho-bag of squanch. I hear Squanchy yell in the background. Use my shirt, then. Jeez. I hear rustling for a few seconds, which must be young Rick taking his shirt off. No more interruptions. I'm trying to record this for posterity. A noble endeavor act to undertake, Rick, Birdperson says. He sounds faint, like he's losing a lot of blood all at once. Indeed, this victory should be more than a footnote in the annals of history. Yeah, well, I need quiet to make this happen, so keep it down, Rick growls. Anyway. Stardate 264-35 Sigma 72. Location, Virgo Cluster, Moon 3 of Flap Flap. Let it be known to those who find this device some far off tomorrow that on this date, 
three members of the insurgency against the Galactic Federation successfully attacked and captured a Grumplamite base here on Moon 3 of Flapflap. It was a bloody battle, not without its injuries. Speak for your Squanchin self. Squanchy interjects. But overall, it was a victory. A decisive victory that shows we are not some pissy little complainers from the far-flung corners of the universe, but warriors with an interest in winning and maintaining the freedoms and rights owed to all beings on all planets. This includes the freedom from rule by an oppressive intergalactic government whose interest in protecting its people comes second to its own protection. Here, here. Squanchy and bird person cheer. So, uh, yeah. Let these names ring on in infamy. Bird person, the fourth of his name, from Birdworld. Squanchy, second in command of the TikTok clan and the 37th of his name. And me, Ricardo Andreas Rodriguez Sanchez. I think I'm the first of my name, but that really doesn't matter because I'm from Earth and we don't count that sort of thing. Um, that's all I've got to say. May this record stand as a testament for what we've done here, and may our fight pave the way for a better tomorrow. End transmission. The voice dies away into the dusty air, and tears well in my eyes. Rick always pretends to not care. He's got that NN nonchalant attitude about everything on our adventures together, but it's all an act. At one point in his life he cared not only about himself, but about the fate of every creature in the universe. He was willing to fight a force that he thought was wrong, that was so oppressive and clearly hurting people. I don't know what the Federation is doing for Summer right now, but it can't be anything good. I have to believe Rick knew something that I don't about the Federation. I have to believe he cares because, because, because I care about him. And I think he cares about me. I hear footsteps pound against the concrete behind me. Morty. Leona pants, clearly out of breath. Carino, I told you not to go very far away. The eggs are almost, but you're crying. She doesn't ask me if I'm crying like mom would, just states it like a simple, irrefutable fact. For some reason, this makes me burst into a new batch of tears and clutch the little round speaker in my hand tightly. She says nothing, only puts an arm around me and guides me out into the sunlight. We walk back to the ship in silence, and I wish there was at least a little wind on this planet that would drown out the ugly sounds of me crying. There's a big black frying pan full of fried eggs and tortillas sitting on the camp stove when we get back, and a pot of café con leche is brewing on what looks like a bigger Bunsen burner. She hands me a plate and fork, asks me if I'd like salsa and avocado wedges, then sits down in her weird cross-legged way on the dusty earth. I follow suit. What made you so upset, she asks after I've wolfed down my third tortilla and egg. I decide to let what I found speak for itself, so I press the button on the speaker again and let the recording play out for her. Leona's eyes widen a few times throughout, particularly during Rick's final long speech but other than that her face doesn't change at all. She takes a sip of her coffee once the speaker goes quiet. Ah, so you found a piece of history. 
The Battle of Bloodridge was a major loss for the Federation against the insurgents, I think something like 1,500 Gromplomites lost their lives here. Rick Sanchez marked his name in galactic history the day if he didn't already do so. He's my grandpa. Leona, who had been taking a bite of her huevos rancheros, set her fork down on her plate, food still dangling off the tines. Per de name? Rick Sanchez is my grandpa. That's why I was in Gloppy Drop Penitentiary that day when you found me. It's like a dam has burst in my chest and the water's gushing out of my mouth. I, I know he's a wanted criminal, and I don't really know how long his rap sheet is, although I'm guessing it's pretty long, but what you need to know is I, I need him, Leona. He's the only friend, the best friend that I have in the universe. I know that's kinda messed up, for a teenager's best friend to be someone not his own age, but I'm kinda messed up, and our Arik is are really messed up, so it all works out in the end. I let out a nervous laugh. So I'm looking for him. I don't know where he is, and I don't know if you'll want to help me look. I, I, if you want to part ways now, I'll understand. I don't know how I'll get around, and maybe I'll hitchhike. Morty, Basta, Leona holds up her hand. You know how I care about my family, no? You've seen my relationship with Tim Tam and his father, how I try to keep them both happy with their arrangements. In my line of work, I see so many families brought together and torn apart. Sometimes I do the tearing, sometimes the repairing. All depends on what the client asks for. She takes a breath and continues. I know how important it is to be with your loved ones. It breaks my heart every day that I couldn't save your sister as well as you, because it's far better to be together in this cold, lonely universe than it is to be by yourself. If finding and reuniting you with your will makes you happier, then I will help you on that mission. Why you will? Claro KC. I'll forfeit the reward that rests on Rick Sanchez's head to bring you back together. You have my word. I can't help it, I leap from where I'm sitting and tackle Leona in a hug. Oh my god, thank you, thank you. Gracias, gracias, mil visas, gracias. De nada, Morty, she says, rubbing her free hand along my back. Now go ahead and finish your breakfast. The eggs get rubbery when they're cold. I scramble off of her and grab my plate again, scarfing down the rest of my meal as easily as possible. Fried eggs had never tasted so good in all my life, and these were even better than mom's. Chapter 13, Missed Connection That creepy little fucker is staring at me again when I wake up. It'd be decidedly less creepy if he would look at me with more than one eye, but the other is covered in a dumb eye patch that looks like he swiped it from the clearance rack at Party City. And if I weren't naked and floating in a vertical glass tank of saline like a graying, wrinkled goldfish. And maybe if he blinked more often. Since he refuses to break eye contact, I'm the one who breaks it and decides to take in my surroundings. Looks like he's got me in some kind of laboratory, much cleaner than any workspace I've ever used. I've always been more of an oil and grease, work-on-the-fly kind of scientist, here, I can smell the bleach practically leaching through the glass.
Every bit of chrome has been polished, every antiseptic white counter wiped down so it gleams. I doubt anyone's ever sat on the blue vinyl cushion on the exam table and made a dent in it with their butt. WW what the fuck does this kid plan on doing with me this time? He stands up and blinks hard at me. The saline around me starts to drain down rapidly to my feet, leaving me to flail for the bottom of the tank so I don't fall on my ass. The curved glass retracts away to one side and exposes me to the open air, fuck, it's cold. I rip off the cannula that's been itching my nostrils for what feels like weeks and stretch. Confinement ain't good for an old body like mine. On the table, please, he says in his high, chilly voice. He tosses a crinkly blue dressing gown at me, which is somehow colder than the lab. I roll my eyes and tug it on anyway, though. I've learned that I've got to play his little game, fulfill his little power trip so he'll open up and start talking. Hasn't worked the greatest thus far, mostly because I inevitably open my mouth and start lipping off, but I've got a feeling he'll come around today. He's Morty, after all. Mortys trust their ricks. He keeps poking and prodding at me, tests my reflexes with an honest-to-God rubber mallet from a doctor's office. Every so often he blinks purposefully hard, and I hear some machine kick in the background or a screen hum to life with data I can't make sense of. The whole time he's silent, sliding around me like a ghost, his sneakers don't even squeak against the floor. Lie back, he commands after a short while. The examination will continue. Whatever, I groan yet comply. The reclining back starts whirring up to a 45-degree angle so I'm half-sitting and staring right into a harsh fluorescent light. And not really sure what you're getting out of this, to be honest, other than some kind of ego trip. Plenty, he responds curtly. Did Evil Rick put you up to this? I can't help it when a smirk crawls up my face. W.W. Watt, are you like his little nurse or something? Little nurse's aid? Gonna clean me up and make sure I take my M medicine before the big bad doctor comes in. He's dead. What? This was news. Run that by me again? He's dead. The one you call evil Rick was slaughtered by an angry horde of Mortys who beat him to death. I presume their frustration stemmed from their extended internment and slavery. Whoa, whoa, whoa. When did you learn all those polysyllabic words? He gives me the finest side eye someone with only one visible eye could muster. Okay, okay, maybe hanging around evil Rick expands your vocabulary. I'm sorry he's dead, though, kid. Must be rough being without him. So what, is this his dying wish? For you to get your hands on me and poke through my brain again? I'm not going to dignify that with any substantial response. He flips up his eye patch and moves the light a few inches so it hovers over my forehead. I squint and see a maze of microcircuitry and diodes glowing away under crisscrossing wires. A pair of thin cables, one red and one blue, dangles from the bottom of the eye patch, a matching pair is trailing out from under his lower eyelid. Wait, what? Hey, ah. Uh, got a little something, 
Ah, uh, right there, I mumble, pointing to my cheek. He rolls his eyes, that's right, his eye. The one he just uncovered stays in place, motionless, while he shoves the cables back into his eyelid with one finger. Okay, something's a bit fucky here. You seem perplexed, Rick. Well, I don't know if you ever had a pH physiology lesson, but generally both eyes roll when someone's trying to indicate they're being sarcastic. I wouldn't have guessed. He reaches off to the side to fiddle with some silver surgical tools on a rolling tray next to the exam table. He turns back to me, a scalpel balanced delicately between his fingers, and digs the scalpel right into his eyelid. The eyeball pops out into his waiting palm, cables and ribbons of bloody optic muscle flop onto his cheek. Jesus Christ. Gigi give a guy some warning before you do something crazy like that. My stomach jumped up into my throat. If I'd eaten anything in the past week, I'd be hurling right now. WWW what the hell? It's a fake eye, Rick, he replies casually, as if someone mentioned clouds had drifted over the sun. Built it myself. Contains a 150 megapixel camera, sharper focus than anything available on the greater galactic market. People sell their limbs to get a hold of technology like this. He giggles, but there's no mirth behind his laughter at all. It's downright cruel, even by my admittedly low standards. Some of them have sold them. To me, of course. Yeah, 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 that's all great. I wave my hand dismissively. You're a real entrepreneur. But what happened to you? I knew that eye patch had to be a F front for something. MMM. The eye in Morty's palm lolls off to the side, as if lost in thought. His other eye stays pointedly fixed on me, though, along with the gaping, bloody eye socket. I suppose it has been a long time. How do I put this? The giant frogs on Percy I6 have some nasty, sharp teeth, don't they? I stare at him, bewildered. What the hell are you talking about now? The giant frogs on Percy I6 have nasty, sharp teeth. Come on, Rick. Think. It's what you're supposedly good at. I ignore the backhanded insult and dig back through my memories. Percy I6. Been a while since I was around there, mostly because I managed to piss off the royal family ruling that particular star system. They had valuable underground sulfur pools there, if you could brave the noxious stink of the caverns, you could end up with some valuable elemental sulfur crystals scraped from the sides of the pool. Morty was there with me last time, I'm sure of it. Yeah, yeah, he was. Complained the whole time about the stink, of course, even though he had a gas mask on and I didn't. And for some godforsaken reason, there were giant frogs in the cavern we snuck into that got their skins in a bunch about us being down there. We had to drop the crystals, which basically made the whole trip a loss, and run for it. We somehow climbed out of there and took off across the desert. Rick. Rick, slow down. I h huff, I can't keep up. You gotta do it, Morty. You gotta do it for Grandpa. 
My eyes scan the landscape for a flat, somewhat smooth surface. Portals are more stable when set up on flatter surfaces as opposed to rougher ones, tearing time and space apart already increases entropy, so anything to make it more predictable is a plus. And we need to have this work. Gotta get home. I can't look behind me or off to the side. My contact with those damn frogs seems to enrage them even more. Morty's occasional yelps tell me we're still being pursued. I consider reaching my hand back for him, grabbing his sticky with sweat palm and bringing him to a halt so he can breathe while I fire the portal open. But he won't go with that. No one wants to hold an old man's hand, especially not mine. This ground looks as flat as any we've run across. Instinctively, I pull out the portal gun and fire with my right hand. I hear a thud as I do a half-assed handspring into the portal, but I don't think about it. Morty isn't that stupid, he knows when to jump. He should be right behind me, like always. He should be. He isn't behind me. I'm spit out into the blackness of space proper, floating amongst the barest pinpricks of stars. So hard to turn around without gravity, I somersault, I cartwheel, I do every gymnastic trick my old body can manage, but he's nowhere around. He'd be calling for me if he was. He'd be scrabbling his way through space trying to reach me. But he's nowhere in sight. Morty! I scream into the abyss. Son of a bitch, Morty, you were supposed to follow. Me! You were supposed to stagger through the portal like a dumbass and end up here. And we'd be laughing right now, well, I'd be laughing, but you'd be panicking until I cracked some stupid joke and you start nervously giggling because we got out by the skin of our teeth for the umpteenth time. You're supposed to be here. I choke back a sob. You're not supposed to leave me alone. Done reminiscing, old man? I snap out of my memories and look back at Morty. Sharp teeth lead to a gruesome fight and a missing eye. Somehow gets away, hops to a new dimension, hooks up with a new Rick, no. The puzzle pieces are coming together, but the end result makes no sense. This can't be Morty, he would have been torn to shreds. He wasn't smart enough to escape. Fuck, I need a drink. Is it all coming together for you, Rick? Morty is now pacing around the exam table, his prosthetic eye popped back into place. Finally starting to understand what's going on. H. How, I stutter, how the fuck did you do it? How did you get away? Morty sighs dramatically, a move that would have been far more appropriate coming from Summer. You always underestimated me, Rick. Always tried to keep me down, tried to stop me from reaching my full potential. I might have had my back to the wall, so to speak, but I wiggled my way out. I've watched you do it a fair share of times, after all. I'm a fast learner, you see. Pick things up like, he snaps his fingers, that. I tried to keep you down? W where'd you hear that kind of bullshit? If anything, I put you oh on a goddamn pedestal, Morty, I sneer at him. 
I puffed your ego up so large your tiny feet couldn't keep your fat head from swelling up and carrying you away. I was a genius. Morty raises his voice for the first time, so high that it starts cracking. Mother and father couldn't give me the support I needed because they didn't understand. They couldn't begin to unwrap the gift they'd been handed. Oh, here we go. Then when you finally stumbled into my life, I knew I finally had someone to look up to. I finally knew someone who was like me. Someone who could help me realize the full extent of my abilities. He stops at the end of the table, hands clasped behind his back and a bone-chilling glare in his eyes. Evidently, I miscalculated. Oh, really? All you ever did was point out my flaws. You'd focus on the tiny mistakes I made, overlooking the things I actually accomplished. Maybe you did this out of envy. He takes out a hand from behind his back and starts examining his nails. Maybe you were worried I'd surpass you and upset the delicate balance of our relationship. I'm supposed to be the Igor to your Frankenstein, according to nearly every other dimension. But I'm an anomaly. And you couldn't stand to be different. Because for all your grandstanding about not caring what others think, Rick, that's a lie. You'd love nothing more than to fit in. Why yeah, well, I splutter, you seem to have gotten on without me just fine, haven't ya? Get yourself a whole new Rick so you could play the underling again. He was my puppet. Say what? Morty rolls his eyes, both of them this time. Evil Rick, as you and the Council of Rick called him, had a transmitter planted in his brain. My eye patch held the transmitter, which I smashed as soon as the guards swarmed my hideout. Then I followed the rest of those poor, rickless bastards out into the cargo ship the Council had parked outside, and no one was ever the wiser. My stomach turns in horror. You just let evil Rick die. He'd served his purpose and the Mortys needed a punching bag. Morty shrugs, not looking up from his nails. The transmitter was beginning to fail, and I really didn't feel like performing brain surgery that week. So the other Ricks. All my doing. It became an effective system, really. I'd find an easily exploitable dimension along the central finite curve, send Rick out to it, have him kill the existing Rick, kidnap the Morty, and have him brought back to add to the lattice. I realize I could have done roughly the same thing with only five other Mortys and a jumper cable, here Morty looks directly at me, a cold smirk on his face, but we both know my brain power would easily be detected through such a simplistic design. It was a sketch on the back of a napkin. I throw my hands up in the air. It wasn't meant to be perfect. Nor was it. My final product was far superior. You still haven't told me your plan yet, oh nefarious one. Evil Rick got whacked, so what do you want with me? You know damn well I'm not joining you. Of course not. I wouldn't expect you to. Morty turns to a console and blinks at it a few times. A hologram of a gigantic tree with multitudes of interlocking branches springs to life between us, 
washing his face over with a pale blue glow. He points at a pulsating red node on the tree where several branches start braiding together. You see, Rick, you're being captured by the Galactic Federation is something of a temporal convergence. It's happening in several dimensions as we speak, either you're just being caught, being booked, or you've been spending a short amount of time in prison. Either way, you're not a free man. Good to know there's some other Ricks who've got it rough like I do, I mutter, crossing my arms. Anyway, with Ricks locked up, I can carry out my plan. You remember Operation Phoenix? It was your attempt to cheat death and achieve immortality. Through cloning, of all things. Let me guess, you stole my idea by scanning through my brainwaves and replicated my experiment, so now there's a whole legion of Rick clones floating around in tanks like mine, bathing in a proprietary blend of saline, electrolytes, and preservatives that I came up with, so if I find that shit on the market anywhere when I get out of here, I'll come back and kick your evil little ass, and now that legion of clones are available to do your evil bidding. Now it's my turn to e-examine my nails condescendingly. Did I hit a grounder to right field, or did I knock it out of the fucking park? A flash of shock flits across Morty's face before he recovers and assumes his usual vaguely pissed-off expression. Nailed it. D does it really matter? I've got what I want now. And what exactly is that? Sounds to me like you just have a room full of naked old guys which, I gotta say, is pretty creepy. I have the key to liberating every Morty in the central finite curve. I blink a couple times, then burst out laughing. Is he serious? Oh my god. You're actually turning this into some great campaign to save Mortys from their ricks? Well, let me give you a news flash. not every Morty out there is like you. You said it by yourself, you're an anomaly. So, what? You send a Rick in to replace their imprisoned Rick, have them disappear, and leave Morty all alone so he'll hopefully develop his genius independently? That's a fucking riot, you're just creating more competition, you know? No. Morty flips the eye patch down over his prosthetic and paces toward me, nostrils flared in annoyance. They won't all be geniuses, and that's not the point. The point is to save them the pain of believing they finally have someone that cares. I'm helping them rip off the band-aid they can't even see is there anymore because the skin has grown over it. All because of an accident? You're gonna fuck over countless other Morty's lives just cause you got an emo streak about being abandoned by accident? You and I both know that was no accident, Rick. He's hovering uncomfortably close to my face now. You saw what I was becoming, and you didn't like that you had any part to play in it. So you did the thing you know how to do best, leave. You've been leaving broken things behind your whole life, me, Beth, Leona. How the fuck, I spit, do you know about Leona? Blood is rising to my face, and I grit my teeth. The little son of a bitch better not have laid a finger on her. How do you think you've been hearing her voice this whole time? Morty pulls back and draws a pair of wireless earbuds out of his lab coat pocket. Her whole ship's bugged, 
thanks to the very enterprising and convincing clone I managed to put in your place back at the penitentiary. The poor woman thinks she broke you out of prison and has you secured in her cargo hold, but, he shrugs his shoulders, it's not really you. My eyes fly open, and I lunge for his scrawny little neck. Thick black restraints spring out from tiny slots on the side of the exam table and clamp me down to the cold cushion. I buck against them, but that only digs them tighter against my flesh. You know, it's really convenient that your new Morty somehow hooked up with her. Two birds with one stone, you know how the saying goes. You keep your disgusting hands off of her, you fucking psychopath. Sociopath, Rick. I'm a sociopath. But those classifications are outdated by galactic standards nowadays. I prefer the term evil. With an ugly smirk, he turns away, hands clasped behind his back. And it won't be my hands on her, anyway. They'll be yours. I scream and struggle against the restraints, although I know it's an exercise in futility. I'm beyond angry now, I'm enraged. That little shit stain had better hope I don't figure out how to get out of these things, or he'll be history. Ah, Bad Rick. Morty turns his head and blinks hard at me three times. All of a sudden, my ears come alive with crackling static, then Leona's voice fading in slowly. It sounds like she's comforting Morty, who sounds like he's crying. Oh shit, why is he crying? Who upset him like this? See? I'm keeping you in the loop as to what's going on, Rick. I could just shut everything down in the blink of an eye literally and you'd be left in the dark. You wouldn't know whether she's alive or dead. This way, you'll have the horror of knowing when you decide to take her out. I stare daggers after the kid. Nighty night, grandpa, he simpers. He walks out of the lab and closes the door behind him, plunging me into darkness. <laughs>